It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show. Um, this is where we do connect the dots between our physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental selves. You know, 2020 taught us all the importance of being physically healthy and keeping our immune system strong. And that meant also keeping our inflammation level low. And I'm going to tell you about a company that is on my website called Boomers Forever Young. It has health and wellness products that can help you do that very thing to keep your immune system in peak performance and keep that inflammation level down, which is where all disease begins. You can find the website at www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And there is a link there that can take you directly into Boomer's products. And you can watch the videos, read the testimonials. Uh, there are blogs. Uh, there's a depth of information there that uh, is unlike most websites. But one product in particular, I think stands out from all the rest. And that's something called Gladiator Barley. It is actually a sprout that is harvested out of Canada, and we are the only ones that carry it. And it will definitely bring your inflammation level down, but it also does some amazing other things. It rebuilds muscles, which we lose at a rate of about 1% a year after the age of 40. It uh, takes toxins out of the body and it repairs on a cellular level. So if you decide to try that, if you use my first name, which is Lucy, L-U-C-Y, and uh, you put that into the promo code, you're going to get $5 off of each and every order. Uh, keep in mind also that Gladiator Barley is gluten-free. And a lot of people think of barley as a grain and they have gluten intolerance. That is not the case with this particular product. So uh, it is a sprout again when it's harvested. Um, so if you want to make every day and every night a peak performance event for yourself, then try the Gladiator Barley. And I'm going to now introduce a returning guest, and that's Jenny Lee. And Jenny's in Hawaii. <laughs> so what time is it there, Jenny? Oh, hey, Lucy. Um, it is about 930 in the morning here. 930 in the morning. Okay. So you're kind of up a little bit on the early side. Uh, where we're recording, it's, uh, you know, like quarter of three in the afternoon. So <laughs> uh, there's a difference in time. And <clears throat> excuse me, and you have um, been an expert in both or are an expert in both yoga therapy and spiritual living. Um, I know that you've taught classical yoga and meditation for more than 20 years. And you do coach private clients. So are you doing some of your stuff virtually now? Oh, of course, <laughs> everything is virtual these days. But even before COVID, um, I worked with people all over the world online. So the this Zoom coaching is not new to me. And um, yeah, it's just a beautiful way that we can connect with people all over the world. So that is one benefit to it. Yeah, I, I think there are benefits for um, a lot of it. The only thing that I'm picking up from a lot of individuals that I talk to is that they really do miss that personal connection, you know, being able to have another person physically there that they can chat with maybe after the event, before the events, you know, um, 
the water cooler thing, you know, around the coffee pot, something. So I well, am for that. sure. Yeah. There's no um, exchanging human connection, that interchange of energy that we feel when we're in the presence of another person that I, I so hope that we can get back to that sooner rather than later. Yeah. I do miss that as well. Yeah. I, who knows what the future holds? I think we're all just kind of, it's, it's like a guessing game anymore because uh, the minute you think things are improving, then you hear that they're not. So I guess we're just going to have to have a lot of patience and trust that the future will unfold the way it's supposed to. I know that uh, you wrote a book called Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. And we did discuss that at length the last time. And so you and I kind of um, decided that on this particular show, we might talk about, are you asking the right question now? Because, you know, as things evolve, you know, the way we look at life, I'm sure it does, um, you know, give us a chance to maybe get a different perspective. So that's all part of that questioning process. So what do you mean when you say, are you asking the right question now? Yeah, well, um, just to echo your point about not knowing the future, we're all really being asked to practice great mindfulness and presence in this mm -hmm. moment, you know, in not in the all of the not knowing that we're existing in. And um, the reason I felt compelled to chat with you on this particular topic today about are we asking the right question is because this is a practice that I use a lot in my daily meditations um, as a as a checkpoint because um, he, as humans, we have an inner dialogue, right? That's constantly going. And often it is kind of this inner Q and A that's happening. We're, we're questioning what's happening around us. We're questioning whether um, <clears throat> something is right for us or not, or whether something is true or not, or how we, what we feel about this other person or situation and, you know, whether that's accurate. And so there is, it, um, you can recognize it as such, this kind of ongoing Q&A happening in our minds. And yet what I have found in working with my own inner practice of introspection, as well as with many, many clients on this process, um, often we're not asking the right questions in our minds. And so we certainly can't hope to get to the right answers until we start asking the right questions. So uh, what I wanted to chat more about today is, is how do we know? How do we know if we're asking the right question? And it, how do we get to the right question in our own mind so that we can start to move forward it, towards greater truth, towards greater awareness, and towards greater connection in our relationships? I would totally agree. And, and I'm sure that there's people out there listening, you know, that are, are saying to themselves, all right, so how do I ask that right question? You know, where do I begin? Yeah, so um, the first thing is to notice what you, what thoughts you're holding in your mind throughout your day. So just the practice of beginning to watch our own thoughts is super helpful. Um, it can also be a bit distressing when we start to see what we're allowing space in our minds on a daily basis, on a repetitive basis. And we can identify a lot of 
you know, negative or self-limiting thoughts. So that's really the first step is just to begin a practice of watching your thoughts and then watching those questions that are arising. And I would say, take it to the next step of starting to write some of those things down. Um, then you can begin to assess, well, again, is this a limiting belief or is this a limited question? How might I reframe it into a more expansive belief or into a more open-ended question, let's say. Um, so that's kind of step one <laughs> or step one and step two. Um, meditation, I'm just gonna diverge a little bit from the inner thought watching to say that meditation will practice where we're actually starting to quiet our thoughts is also essential because we get on these very repetitive patterns of thinking. And in order to jump to a new level, a more evolved level of thought or questioning, we've got to quiet the old and make space for the new. So meditation is a very essential practice and we might utilize a technique such as um, the repetition of a mantra or the focus on the breath or a visualization, anything to direct the mind into a quieter place, a more focused place. That's not just the random, restless, repetitive thoughts that come in unconsciously throughout our day. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to ask a couple things here because I'm very much aware of studies in the past that um, with people trying to learn how to meditate and then feeling like they're a total failure because they can't quiet the monkey mind, which then you know, says, oh, sure, you know, you think you can do this. There's not a, a prayer. <laughs> and um, so we have a lot of negative thinking sometimes that's rolling around in our mind. Um, mantras you mentioned, and that seems to work for almost everybody because it does give you a place to focus rather than focusing on your breathing. So meditation a long time ago, and I think to some degree, even today, you know, wants to focus on breathing in, breathing out, getting centered. And for somebody who has a lot of stuff going on, you know, maybe stressful things, it's very difficult, I think, to just focus on breath work. But the mantra, so how do you, I mean, I, I know how I would do it, but how do you coach somebody in finding a mantra that is beneficial for them? So I'm going to just, before I go to answer that question, I'm going to back up just a little bit and say that the different meditation techniques that are out there to help people quiet the mind or focus the mind, really it's about focusing the mind, um, appeal to different types of learners, right? We know that there are visual learners, there are auditory learners, there are kinesthetic learners. So a practice like following the breath or focusing on the breath is going to be more effective for somebody who's a more kinesthetic learner. They're going to find a greater anchor in the focus on the physicality of breathing. So that's might not be your learning style or my learning style, but it might work for some people. I mean, it definitely, definitely does work for some people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more of an audible learner. So mantra is the most effective thing for me. Um, visualizations can be quite effective for somebody who's a visual learner. So there, it really is about experimenting with the meditation techniques that might serve your personality or your learning style best. 
All right. Um, so if you were a visual learner, let's go there for a second. Then that would be more to, you know, maybe picture a waterfall or picture the water coming in and out on a shoreline or trees moving in the breeze, you know, in a mountain setting, right? It could be, could be some of those. It could be um, as thoughts come in, placing them into what, like a visual of a cloud moving across the sky. And so you're not attaching to that thought. You're just watching it pass by like a cloud. It might be um, visualizing a current of energy running up and down the spine with each breath. So there's you know, lots of different visual techniques that could be applied for a learner like that. Um, but you had asked about mantra and how to go about, you know, determining a mantra for someone. And there are many spiritual teachers out there and organizations and traditions that have a lot of ritual around the um, kind of presentation of a mantra, if you will, to devotees. And so certainly out of, if you're involved in an organization or something like that, then it might be something that's given to you by a teacher. Um, I don't do that with students. I don't feel that it's my, um, <laughs> I don't know what the right word would be. My, it's not mine to do, um, to offer that. But what I suggest is to use a very simple and universal mantra that is applicable and accessible and easeful for everyone, which is the, um, the sound of the Om. So Om is uh, the Sanskrit word for primal vibration, the, the, the energy of all that is in the universe of which we are all a part. And so to repeat that sound, the Om, Om, in and out with each breath is very calming to the nervous system. It's very calming to the mind. Um, so that's one that's certainly available and I have found to be extremely functional and helpful to everyone I know who's ever used it really regularly. And what I'll say about any technique, any meditation technique is that you can't expect to be proficient or masterful at something in a short period of time. It's just not realistic. We don't become tennis masters or pianist master there's masters of the piano overnight it takes practice day after day after day and so when people say oh i can't meditate my mind's too restless it's 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 not accurate i mean it's accurate but it's accurate for all of us we that is a universal experience for anyone sitting down to learn to meditate it's that's just what happens and so we have to look at it as really a long-term proposition this is a commitment to something that we build incrementally over time mm -hmm. and we can begin to reap benefits immediately. We really do. Even with short, small practices, we, we do reap benefits, but the, the bigger benefits aren't as obvious until there's time put into that practice. Right. Well, I think the benefit is especially today, um, you know, with the amount of stress that has been around for the last few years, you know, the benefit is your health. You know, if you want to keep doing what you've been doing and your health is not going in the direction you want it to go, um, you know, then just keep doing what you've been doing. But if you like change, um, you know, you realize that maybe your physicians are telling you you have 
a higher blood pressure or you have a health challenge now in front of you, then something like this, you know, is, I don't want to say the lesser of two evils, but, but if I was looking at medication versus meditation, I would take meditation every day of the week. Well, so would I. And it's unfortunate that um, that people often wait until they are challenged with a crisis, whether that's a health crisis or a relationship crisis, it, before they elect change. Mm-hmm. And really to, to be growing as individuals in our awareness, we, we do need to become those conscious choosers of change. And... Um, I don't know if you're ready to circle back to the question thing, but this to me, it links because if we start to analyze the thoughts that are repetitively present in our minds, and then we take on a practice like, like daily meditation, where we utilize a technique to focus and direct the mind into greater stillness, then we create space in which we can be those conscious choosers of our experience and one of the best ways to do that is to say well what what do i need to know right now and that's one of those open-ended questions that i really love using that i use often on in my meditation time so i'll i'll take my my i'll do my practice i'll use my meditation techniques and then at the very end just the last minute or so i I have a time of stillness where I'm not doing anything other than being receptive to the answer to an open-ended question, such as, what do I need to know right now? And I trust my intuition and I trust spirit to bring the answers to me in that time. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to hear some booming voice from above, like you need to buy this new house, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't come in that clearly and that quickly. Um, Again, this is a practice. It happens over time. And so we, we develop a relationship with that intuition, that soul wisdom Mm -hmm. um, by showing up day after day and making ourselves available to it and quieting the, the external focus and going into that internal place of receptivity. Right. Right. Um, and, and you do, your, your mind has to be quiet enough to hear at that point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the questions that you're thinking beyond the one of what do I need to know right now? Uh, because you're right, you're not going to hear a booming voice saying, these are the things you need to know. <laughs> So, you know, the, the theme that we started with Lucy is this sense of, am I asking the right question right now? So um, I had, I'll just give a personal example. So I've been working on marketing my last book, Spark Change, uh, which came out last September. And um, of course, marketing falls primarily to authors to get the word out there about their new work. And um, so I've been really focused on what are the different channels through which I can let people know about my work? And I started to question my question. <laughs> so if my question was, how do I need to market this book? What do I need to do next? Cause I've tried many things, you know, what do I need to do next to market this book? And then I thought, well, maybe that's not the right question. And so then I sat down and I wrote out 
like 10 other options of what maybe my question should be rather than that one. And rather than go into specifics, what I'll just say is that it opened up a field of possibility that was not there before. And I had started feeling really limited and constricted um, in my own thinking around marketing the book. I started thinking like, I've done it. I've done everything I know how to do. I'm frustrated, you know, and then just by doing this practice of, of questioning, well, am I asking the right question? What are some other possibilities? Writing those 10 things down. Then it was like, oh yeah, there is a whole other field of way of approaching uh, what my goal is. And so this is kind of the process that I'm suggesting people do is think about what it is that you're chewing on over and over and over that you has you kind of stymied in that inner world of like, you're asking that question again and again, you're frustrated by it. Question, is that the right question? And then do some brainstorming on some other possibilities. Can you give a personal example? You know, like you said, you were asking the question of how should I go about marketing? So when you, I guess, you know, sat with yourself and looked at other possibilities, what's an example of a possibility you came up with? So one of them was, um, do I need to be doing something other than marketing? So do I need to be focused more on self-care than on marketing? Am I putting too much energy out and do I need to be putting more energy in? So that was, that was one thing. Um, and I do know that that actually felt very accurate to me. Um, there's a lot of expenditure of energy in a book launch. And so a lot of my energy had been flowing out. And so when you start to feel frustrated or exhausted, then it is time to question whether you're moving in the right direction. And so the, the, what that revealed to me was, the right direction for me right now actually needs to be more inward than outward. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, yeah, I, I was thinking of, um, you know, Esther Hicks, who, um, you know, uses Abraham uh, as her spiritual avatar. And, um, you know, uh, his comment was always, I mean, he's, they've been around for a long time, but was always go with the flow. So if you're feeling as though you're exhausted by what you're doing, then obviously you're, you're like the salmon swimming upstream rather than going with the flow. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So asking the right question, how about if it's a relationship, you know, uh, what are some questions that people might want to internally uh, dialogue with themselves in regard to relationships? I'm so glad you asked that. Um, this is really an area where we get all get hung up because I think where we often get stuck is in the repetitive questioning, why is that person doing that? <laughs> you know, it's like, why are they doing that to me? Or, or how can I make the, my spouse stop doing such and such? And so there's this, again, this outer focus of we're, we're questioning why something is the way it is or how can we make it stop in some way that's frustrating us? Um, when really the better question might be, how do I need to change in relationship to this person? Or how do I need to shift my behavior in relationship to this situation? Um, 
taking that a step further, you might ask the question, how do I need to, how do I need to, uh, how might I be perpetuating this circumstance or this behavior, uh, this experience in my life? How, how am I responsible for this in some way? Um, how does this behavior live within me that I'm so frustrated with in this other person? Or how could I show up in greater love and service to this relationship rather than the expectation that it serve me and change in some way so that I can feel better? You know, there's so many different directions that you, you could go when you're looking at the questions um, around relationship. But again, the, the process being very much the same. So looking at the questions that you're asking repetitively in your own mind, especially the ones that you're feeling frustrated by, taking that space where you're, you stop the, the flow of energy in that particular direction and you spend some time in silence or in journaling um, to quiet the mind, to create some space for new possibility, and then get creative. I mean, just write 10 or 20 different possibilities. Hmm. I, I'm thinking of that one statement that I know that you're aware of too. And that's that the only person you can truly change is yourself. Oh, 100%, 100%. And yet so many people, it's the last place that they go. Mm -hmm. They absolutely spend so much time trying to, fix and change and focus on others. And of course we see it in the bigger sphere of our political world and all the blame and the finger pointing and the problem is over there and this person is at fault. And it, you know, it just doesn't get us anywhere. <laughs> no, it really and truly doesn't. Um, I uh, was observing a couple of days ago, two children that were about a year and a half apart. And so they obviously love to play together, but one's a boy and one's a girl. And um, so the boy had decided that he was going to have his super speed power. And so he was running and she couldn't keep up with him. And so she picked up um, actually pretty much a weapon. It was a PVC pipe, but it was not a huge one. It was, you know, small, but she hit him with it. Oh my. Rather, than, rather than using her words to say, this isn't fun for me anymore. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not going to play. You know, she attacked. And I was thinking as I was watching all this unfold, you know, then he in turn decided that hurt. I'm now going to hit you. So we see that in relationships. We see it in companies. Uh -huh. We see it in government we see it all over the place you know that one attacks and the other one says well i'll show you i'll attack even harder and then you know everything dissolved into um everybody being hurt and upset so you know this certainly is indicative of the right questions <laughs> we we in that particular case um the little girl you know might have said something to the effect if, if she had learned how to do this. Um, you know, I don't like playing this game. Can we play something else? <laughs> exactly. What a beautiful example. I mean, it's so sad, actually, as an example that these children, I mean, they didn't learn this behavior from nowhere. 
they, I'm sure they've been witnessing either violent video games or they're seeing that sort of behavior in the home. And so it's, it's being perpetuated generation after generation. And it, it really is so sad. And we've got to interrupt this cycle um, to choose a different way of handling the the conflicts that are innate to human nature of course we're, we're always going to have differing opinions and differing needs and it they don't have to be at war with each other <laughs> like you said there can be a different question which is how do we both get our needs met how do we find a new game to play where we can both have fun and you know, it's like, oh my gosh, can we please ask a new question? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm even thinking that might be a future book for you is, you know, <laughs> teaching children how to ask uh, questions and dialogue with each other so they can arrive at different solutions. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I would love to write that book. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, children don't come with manuals and we all know that. And the, the best that people have been able to do is, you know, hopefully they had a parent who taught them some problem solving skills or they've learned along the way, you know, to ask certain questions that lead to better solutions. But most of the time, that's not the case. I mean, you know, we kind of learn by doing and if our experiences haven't been too great, then we are perpetuating the problem that we actually don't want to uh, experience. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is, you know, and, and again, you know, politically, we saw all that over the last couple of years. We yeah. haven't had uh, the ability to listen to one another very well in terms of government or policies or anything else. So Ah, oh, your questions need to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned listening. And, um, you know, I just want to reiterate that the inner listening is really the first piece of this equation that we're talking about today. So learning to listen to our own inner dialogue often reveals that we're speaking to ourselves in very unkind ways. I work with clients every day. And this comes out, you know, their, their inner dialogue is self-critical. It is judgmental. It's really just unkind. And so if that's happening internally all the time for an individual, then it's pretty likely that they'll be both experiencing that in their relationships on the outside, and they'll be perpetuating it in their relationships on the outside. Um, some people learn to be kinder to others than they are to themselves, but then mm -hmm. those people often will uh, suffer from the experience of feeling judged or feeling criticized by people in their life. So it, it's actually a result of the projection of their own inner judgment that's just coming back to them by the mirrors of people around them. And so we, we really have to start with this inner listening Um to where we can make shifts in inside if we find that our inner dialogue is not compassionate and uh, life-affirming and right. self-honoring. I'll give you another example um, that took place not too long ago um, with an older mother who had been very much uh, a controlling mom because her perception was that her daughters, you know, weren't, weren't that capable. 
and needed her ongoing guidance constantly. And um, so what has happened is that uh, the girls, and, and they're adults, they're, you know, not children, but uh, they have children of their own. And, you know, the grandmother, mother person here um, just, you know, was interfering too much. So they actually sought some therapy, learned to stand on their own two feet a lot better. And then her perception was that she wasn't a good parent because they now weren't coming to her for advice or to have her rescue them. And so, you know, it's, it's just totally interesting how the dialogue changed with the daughters in learning competency and it shifted in the mother, grandmother person into, I must have failed because now they don't need me. Right. So she went from criticizing them to criticizing herself. Exactly. And unfortunately, uh, turning to alcohol as a result. Mm, yeah. And so the only way to interrupt that pattern of either criticizing other or criticizing self is just to, of course, recognize that we're doing the best that we know how to do and that we've got to be compassionate to ourselves and to the around us mm -hmm. in order for us to be able to then do better. Mm -hmm. Because nobody learns with the, the stick being beaten over their head, you know, you're doing a terrible job at whatever, like nobody's going to learn that way. We learn through the attaboys and the attagirls and like, you got this and come on, you can, you, you, it's all good. Like you did the best that you could. Yeah. We all make mistakes, but we can do better from here on. And we need to right. encourage ourselves and encourage one another. Right. And there's so many, unfortunately, um, even in younger management styles, there are so many uh, individuals in that position that don't know how to reward the learning process. You know, they look for the mistake because that's, you know, the way they were trained as opposed to rewarding the person for maybe their initiative to learn something or, you know, you did a great job over here and can you apply those skills over here? That conversation doesn't seem to take place as much as you're not doing good enough. Right. And it's really comes down to, are you going to focus on the problem or are you going to focus on the solution? And so mm -hmm. in that example that you just gave, it's like, if, if we can recognize that someone's excelling in this area, we'll then point out that strength and help them bridge that over in using that same strength to accomplish more in a category where they're not as proficient. And so we're focusing on the solution rather than just focusing on what they didn't do, which is the problem. And that doesn't get us anywhere. Right, right. Um, you know, again, I, I think I'm not sure totally other than somebody reading your book. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, whether management overall looks in that direction. I think there's so often a concern that if you don't change this, then I'm going to be fired because I'm not getting what I need. Do, do you follow me here? I do. I do. And it's, um, it's fear-based of course. Mm -hmm, it is. Um, it is. But in management today and companies, I think a lot of times that is where people are coming from is a, a fear-based I've got to do what I need to do, which means you've got to do what you need to do. And I'm going to point out the faults more than the positives. I think one of the things that has been a benefit of this time of COVID where people have been more, um, focused at home, you know, and not been able to be as 
outerly engaged is that those who have taken advantage of this time in the best possible way have used it as a time to be reflective around their lives, to slow down that constant go and do, um, and used it as a time to maybe take online courses or do some self-improvement work or read some more and really analyze and start, you know, as we've been talking about, start asking some deeper questions. And that's where I think this time has been a blessing um, on a big level for many. Now, those who have not undertaken it in that way uh, are just feeling limited and Mm -hmm. frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so they're having a vastly different experience. And and this is not to diminish the actual economic um, difficulties that people are having. And, you know, I'm just talking about in a self-growth realm of our life, how we're managing this experience of more time with ourselves in our homes in the inner sanctums of living right don't you see though that um at least this has been my experience that we have so many different personality patterns and you know the person that let's say is more of a type a personality this has really been very frustrating possibly across the board for those individuals because they can't move forward or their perception is they can't move forward. So then they end up taking it out on everybody around them. And um, even if you are working from home, which I don't know, I would say the majority of people probably are working from home if they have that kind of job or they can, um, or they're unemployed, you know, and so they're looking for something. But What has been your experience in helping somebody, again, find that right question? Are you asking the right question now? If they are extremely stressed because of unemployment, because they can't see loved ones, because, um, you know, maybe they're isolated. I mean, we have all these becauses. Then how do you help them with what you do? kind of go within to find that right question if their mind is going in such a negative direction? Well, you mentioned sort of the type A and I I can relate to that because I'm an interesting hybrid. I think there's a part of me that is introverted. I I spend a lot of time in introspection. I write about introspection. That's a, I meditate a lot. It's my, it's my practice. And, but personality wise, I, I feel like I am more of a type A. I'm a doer, I'm a goer, I'm a planner. It's killing me not to travel and to make plans for programs that I want to do overseas in the next year and all of that. So, but I think there's a balance that we can all strike and whether, you know, regardless of personality type or regardless of uh, current life situations, like you mentioned, the people who are unemployed or who can't see family or, you know, and that's, we're all affected by this in different ways, um, in different levels, all of the same issues. And so it's about finding the balance for ourselves between the going inward to assess our questions and to brainstorm beyond where we've been in the past. And and taking outer actions that are different and creative given our current circumstances. So 
it's about stretching our imaginations, really. All right. Uh, so kind of go there with me for a little bit, um, because I like that picture, uh, you know, for helping people that are listening. If you're stretching the imagination, maybe show them, uh, at least through this podcast, what that looks like. Well, <laughs> people might not be super comfortable with technology. I know there are, there are many introverts or many older folks who aren't as comfortable being on camera on like a Zoom call, which seems to be what everything is happening through these days. Um, and so stretching the imagination, I, I was working with a client yesterday actually, who was talking about having social anxiety in, in a situation of um, being on a Zoom call with a group of people that she didn't really know well. And um, I said, you know, look at those faces in the little boxes on your screen and just see them as children of God, <laughs> children of God, just like you are, you know, we're all just sparks of spirit here. And um, the, our egos get really caught up in feeling separate and feeling like someone is going to judge us or somebody knows more than we do or, you know, all these things. But if we can kind of stretch ourselves in the sense of getting out of that paradigm and going, we're all in this together. We're all just expressions of the creative force, however you want to term that. And so it's, it's about paradigm shifting, really. And um, I hope that's answering your question. If you'd like me to elaborate further, I'll, I'll try to do so. Um. <laughs> I'm going to say that, um, I, yeah, I'm kind of looking for some specifics rather than generalities. One of the things that is a paradigm shift is beginning and ending every day with gratitude. And that might be one of the ways that people can begin to get out of whatever uh, mindset they're currently in. Because if, as you open your eyes and you're laying in bed before you put your feet on the floor, you kind of get into a habit of recognizing one good thing that is going to be taking place that day. You know, so your shift isn't on, oh my God, I'm running late, but it might be on, gee, I hear a beautiful bird outside and just listen to the birds sing for a couple of seconds and being grateful that you can hear. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Something so, grounding like that. And right. I mean, I, the one thing I share with people often is um, a practice of intentional relaxation throughout their days. So you can start that, like you were saying, first thing in the morning upon waking. We hold tension even in our sleep often. Um, especially if there's a lot of stress present in your life, you might notice when you wake up. So just take a moment laying there in the bed to consciously relax your body. And you may think, oh, well, I'm just waking up. My body's relaxed, but that's not necessarily true. I know I've woken up and my jaw is clenched and my shoulders are up near my ears and I've slept in a funny position. And if I can just roll onto my back and do a body scan and consciously relax, then I, once I get my body out of the bed, I'm mu in much better shape than if I were to just get out while I'm 
holding the tension. Right. And then throughout the day, you can do that same practice. So let's say you've been sitting at your computer on Zoom calls for four hours. Well, take a few moments. I, I do this. I just take a few moments to lie down on the floor. And right. I, right. I actually lie on an acupressure mat, but um, you could just lie on the floor and you'll notice the tension in your shoulders and neck from sitting at a computer for a period of hours. And then you just want to relax that and taking some deep breaths and really releasing, consciously releasing tension in the body is one of the best ways to uh, reorient yourself in a positive direction. Right. Well, I mean, you know, look at how a cat or a dog, if they've been sleeping, they don't just bounce up, they stretch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so I think copying um, our animals that are our companions, you know, watch what they do. Um, maybe take a 10 minute nap. Um, I just recently uh, got a standing desk and, you know, so it goes up and down. I can sit if I need to do certain things, but I can also after a while raise it and stand for a while. And so it gives me an opportunity to have different positions rather than sitting where you're kind of scrunched over. My uh, grandson, actually, this, this was quite interesting and quite a revelation. He's only um, in his early 20s and uh, he's tall and he's very thin and he does a lot of work with a computer. So he's kind of hunched over. And when he rides his bike, you know, it, it's one of those that you're not an upright or you're leaning over and he got a collapsed lung as a result. And that's something that happens with tall, thin people. So he's going to have to learn how to, you know, improve his upper body strength, his core strength, but not to lean over as much where he's compressing that lung. Well, absolutely. Um, it's the simplest things, honestly, Lucy, like we've been talking about just now that can make really big differences in people's lives. And these are not new suggestions, right? To, to stretch in between periods of work, to practice gratitude, like it's, but it's the mindfulness practice. And this is what we started our conversation with today is talking about being more mindful and more present in the moment, because we have so much uncertainty out there in the big world and the big picture of each one of our lives. There's so much uncertainty out in the future, but we can be much more present and relaxed and available to this moment. And as we do that, we become, we, we develop greater trust in what will come next. Like, it's like, we just are more available to it. So we don't fear it as much. Right. And I think that's an incredibly important thing for people to hear at this moment in time, too, is in the past, when we lived, you know, 100 years ago, we were in small communities, and each one of us could make a difference in that small community, you know, in one way, shape or another. Today, that is not the case. Most of us don't know our neighbors. We, um, you know, are so busy with our immediate family, if we have one, and our jobs. And so one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is we can't make a huge change in our political climate or in our healthcare climate or anything else. These are big global situations, but we can take personal responsibility for ourselves, our animals, you know, our immediate environment, 
um, you know, our health and wellness, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, we can do that. And, you know, not be so glued to the news, not be so glued to the pandemic and how many people have died today, but what are we doing immediately for ourselves and for those that we love that are right around us? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's where we choose to focus our energy. And that is absolutely essential. Um, well, okay. So let's go back to asking some of these right questions now. Why don't you throw out a few questions that somebody, if they're sitting there, you know, might jot down that will help them move forward in doing just that, that they would be asking themselves these correct questions for the moment, just for them. Okay, well, just kind of riffing off what you just uh, were talking about is like, am I, am I using my energy effectively right now? Am I using it in the right direction? So if you're using your energy to watch three hours of news uh, a day and spin in your mind about all that's wrong with the world and the country, I would say that's not a great use of your energy. You're probably not going to feel very good. So maybe there's a different question. <laughs> you know, there's a, a <laughs> redirect on how you might be using your energy. So that's a great one. Um, am I placing blame on someone else in a way that I need to take some accountability for? I think that's a, a big one right now. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think accountability is low generally in our culture. And so by looking at how we might take greater accountability for the experiences in our lives, um, is important. Um, how can I be of greater service in the world right now? Because there is a lot of need in every category of life. And you might not have a million dollars to donate to your favorite charity, but you might have an hour a week that you could offer to um, care for someone's children who has been at home zoom educating them all week and is losing their mind and just needs a break, you know? And so, um, um, so how can I be of service? And that's a huge one in my, uh, in my, in my heart right now. I'm always looking at that. And, um, uh, you know, I, it, I think the most important question is to ask, am I asking the right question? Because it's not for me to give the answers or to give the questions even to people. I can suggest these. And if, if someone were to go back and to listen to this recording today, I mean, I've probably shared 20 different questions over the course of our chat. But what I want people to remember from this is the right question will arise from within you if you take the time to make that self-inquiry. Mm -hmm. And it really is about going within to assess and to listen. And right. so the answers aren't on the outside. Um, I'm going to share another um, story that um, I think I might have told you a little bit about it when we talked before, but I'm not sure because that was pretty early in, in September. And I don't think this had come about. Um, I, I get messages constantly from 
I'm just going to say source, whether it's the universe, my guides, angels, whatever. But I do get messages always have since I was a teenager. And I woke up uh, back in October, actually. And um, there is a park that is very dear and near to my heart that's uh, just about 10 minutes away. And I was told very clearly that I was to uh, be involved in the dedication of what's called a little library. Do you know what those are? I do, yeah. Okay. And so I thought, oh. And so I started looking up some information about little libraries. And um, there, there is another person that I'm very uh, close to, and I told him about it. And um, so we thought it was going to be just the two of us that might be donating the little library. And then I was uh, told that, no, it needed to involve a family that we knew. And he's a retired police officer and his two daughters and his wife. And so we met them at the park and explained what we had in mind. And he decided he wanted to build it with his daughters. And so he um, was able to do that. And we dedicated it the day after Christmas on December 26th. And since then, um, there have literally probably been hundreds of books that have gone in and out in, in less than a month uh, of this little library. We go and check on it. Uh, all of us do. We, we're like little stewards. Uh, but it, um, you know, it, it will be empty and we'll put books in and then sometimes we'll go and other people have brought books. So we never know the uh, condition of the internal contents until we get there. But um, I had a grandmother who was from either maybe Germany or um, a country like that. She had a very thick accent and uh, she had her little four-year-old grandson with her uh, on one of the days that I was stocking the library. And she asked me if there were any books that she could read to him. And so I pulled a couple out and there is a gazebo that's right by where we put the little library. And so she walks into the gazebo with him and she looked at me and she said, this is so wonderful because now I have a place to walk with him where we have time to just read. And it's a very calm, it's all of these live oak trees and the water is right there. But I thought to myself, as I was watching the two of them, that this little library that is, you know, it, it took some effort, but it's donated to the community. And so one of the questions can be, you know, what am I doing for the greater good of those around me? Exactly. Yeah. And that's an extension of the question I asked about how can I serve? Uh -huh. um, because there, there really is so much need in all of our communities and so many different ways to contribute to that greater good, as you just said. And mm -hmm. it can be from the very smallest, simplest actions to larger projects. And it's all valuable. And it makes each one of us feel better when we're doing that. It really does. Right. And then you're sending out a different kind of frequency, which we talked about in the beginning, mm -hmm. is if we understand that we're all vibrational beings, then, you know, walking into an area where there's been an argument, you can feel that. But walking into an area where there has been, you know, a, an appreciation of beauty, uh, of one another, of doing things that are positive, you can feel that too. And so maybe the focus, you know, can be more into, you know, how do I make that happen? Um, questions that I was taught as a therapist were um, that, you know, when you 
ask the question why. You always get a defensive posture because you're trying to defend the reason you did whatever you did, right? And so the questions then become what, when, who, where, and how questions. And when you ask those, it's searching for understanding. So I think we could even maybe use that kind of questioning of ourselves. You know, how do I, how did I arrive at that? I don't know, like understanding how do I move forward? Uh, when did I start thinking this way? You know, but to examine maybe the reasons that certain things have been happening. 100%. And that is such a, a great model, you know, that you just mapped out for people because the why, sometimes we don't get it. Uh, even if we ask the question, and I'm sure you've worked with people who have had maybe a tragedy happen. And it's like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? We Sometimes we just don't know. And there is no answer to the why. And it can be a very frustrating question to kind of sit in. Um, but if we start asking some of those other ones around it, then we do deepen our understanding and we're able to create meaning out of a circumstance that otherwise would just feel devastating. Um, the other thing I'll say just back on the vibrational uh, note that you were on is going back to the mantra of Om. You know, the mantra Om is the ultimate mantra of peace and harmonious vibration. So if we want to create change in our communities, one of the greatest things we can do is meditate every day using the mantra Om because then we're placing ourselves into that vibration of peace. And we then resonate that out to anyone we're in contact with, even if all that is, is going to the grocery store to get milk. We will walk into that store with a different vibration and therefore have a more positive effect. Yeah. So, on everybody that we're around, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you believe that our hour is already up? We always have good conversations, don't we, Lucy? <laughs> yes, we do. We do. So I want to thank you again. Tell people, please, how to reach you. That will also go um, on the podcast uh, synopsis, but uh, let them know how to find you. Absolutely. So my website is the best place to find me. My name, Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Lee, L-E-E, yogatherapy.com. JennyLeeYogatherapy.com. Uh, my books are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all major booksellers. Uh, Spark Change is the one we've been talking about today that has 108 provocative questions in it. So if you're needing some help with formulating a new question, um, you can find a free excerpt of that on my website, as well as some other bonus materials that go along with the book. So I hope you'll connect with me there. And I look forward to hearing from you if you have any particular questions for me. <laughs> well, I'm sure that there will be some coming your direction. Um, again, I want to thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I know that we're going to be doing future ones together, and uh, I appreciate your expertise and your knowledge. Thank you, Lucy. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And so everybody, please go out there and make this your very best life. Thanks so much for joining the Synergy Connection show. Bye-bye.
Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.